Welcome to the Monday Night Scores, the wrestling podcast covering the epic battle for rating supremacy between WWF Raw and WCW Monday Nitro. We relive the war skirmish by skirmish to decide which show we think should have won the fight for viewing figures that week. We then reveal which show actually did take the gold in the Nielsen ratings using our completely real golden envelope. But we'll start, as ever, by introducing ourselves. I am one of your hosts, my name is Steve, and I am joined by the stickler, the hair splitter, the nitpicker himself, Jim. How are you doing, Jim? <laughs> this way, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the best this way. You're not firing all cylinders. Well, that sounds surprising for the nitpicker. I can't, I, I struggle, <laughs> <laughs> struggle to believe that's the case. What's up? <laughs> oh, I've had a, had a bit of a... Adventures in dentures as uh, as, Jer- as Jerry Lawler put it the other <gasps> week on uh, on Raw. Yankum, you've had Yankum involved. I've been dealing with Isaac Yankum all week. Oh. Of, uh, <laughs> some uh, some dental issues have gone awry. And, oh, uh, yeah, frequent visits to the dentist this week for me. Thankfully, uh, she never asked me for a cage match or anything like that. At the <laughs> <end of this. laughs> if she had, would you? Would you demand that it was one of the old school blue cages? And that would have. Yeah, been I, would, yeah I would have. I Good. definitely would have done a WCW cage. It'd have been too small for us. Glad to hear it. Fantastic stuff. And back by popular demand, we're not just pandering to the Latinx vote. Is the Spanish announced Liam? All right, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> You can't go all Vince and then just go really calmly. All right, Liam. Of course I can. <laughs> Sorry, right. That's all right. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm. Uh, I've got. I've had a spring in my step post Halloween havoc. Uh, I, I, feel, I feel. I feel. We've got a, a fresh start now. For uh, you got the monkey off your back. Yeah, for, for WCW Nitro. So hopefully, moving forward, now we we can go on to bigger and better things. Right, well, let's recap the scores on the Monday Night Doors. Vincent Kennedy McMahon's Raw currently holds a 3-2 lead over Eric Bischoff's Monday Nitro. Can Nitro get back to level pegging following their Halloween Havoc escapades? Let's find out. Okay, Jim, stop staring daggers. I'll get on with placing in history with some cultural reference points. Here we go. Let's set the scene. The date is the 30th of October 1995. This week... Mortal Kombat started its second and final week atop the UK box office, where it clearly inspired the creation of WWF's Avatar. I wonder if Brian Walsh played the bad guy in it. Meatloaf released I'd Lie For You and That's The Truth, which is about as much of a carbon copy of I would do anything for love but I won't do that as you can possibly imagine. You can even sing the latter's chorus over it and it still fits. It's incredible. If it ain't broke, eh, Meatloaf? And Californian new metalers Incubus released the album Fun Fungus Among Us, which, appa- <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> which appropriately sounds like a member of the Dungeon of Doom. Right, now we know what we're watching on the silver screen, what we're listening to when we wanted a healthy dose of theatrical rock, and what a bunch of theatrically doomed dudes who live under a rock might be listening to as well. Let's see how Vince and Bish are going to compete with that lot. There'll be shatterproof, flying Arabian-resistant wooden tables, ghostly graveyard cursing of King Mabel's, but no bikini-clad sables. Let's get cracking! (laughs) 
We kick off with WCW Monday Nitro, the night after Halloween Havoc. And to be honest, I'm still struggling to get my head around all of that crap. And I'm still slightly fatigued. We're live from the Harrah Arena in Dayton, Ohio, and we're greeted with Above Ring Pyro and the lads on comms. And let's get out of the way. Liam's fears of a Halloween-themed Pepe costume are unfortunately realised. Mongo's dressed him up as a kind of witch with bat wings. <sighs> Mr. B tells us he's going to show footage of last night's debacle, and I'm sorry, sorry, spectacle, uh, so we should stick around for that. Surely the people who've paid for that are even more annoyed now, finding out that the cobblers are going to be given away for free the night afterwards. Like, Jesus Christ. He keeps saying when the footage has arrived, didn't you find this weird? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he's clearly got instantly, because we saw a replay last night. Where, where would it be coming from? Yeah, who's sending it? Yeah. This was really getting me, and he brought it up, kept bringing it up all through the show. <laughs> he it did. really, really winding up. Waiting for the tape to be delivered that they've already got in the truck. Yeah, stupid. They're, re- they're really good at this, aren't they, WCW? Oh. Say, saying things are happening, and then not <laughs> yeah. delivering with, 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 with said claims. So, yeah. 100%. So we'll see what happens here. <laughs> Dead right. The lads tell us Macho Man was due to face Craig Pittman, but owing to the events of last night, he's out and he'll be replaced by Eddie Guerrero. I'm absolutely delighted with that. And we're going to get that match right now. Get in. Did you not think this was weird how they built this up as well, though? Where they were like, um, so they do the bit, they go to Mongo, camera zoomed in on Pepe the whole time, then Mongo says his thing. <laughs> yeah, it was. And then, it's really crap, actually, because like, Mongo says his piece, all the while looking at the, the dog in a witch costume and then um, Bischoff cuts in and says witch in bat costume yeah, sorry thank you <laughs> and he had a jack-o'-lantern as well I did call it Halloween Havoc <laughs> that's true we tick yeah. three boxes got all three different aspects of uh, Halloween <laughs> covered they won't go it's like Halloween's been sick on him yes that's true <laughs> yeah. he's done a trolley dash through the Halloween aisle <laughs> <laughs> and pets at home <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're talking about Halloween Havoc though, aren't they? And Bishop said, and it didn't fare very well for one man. One man, it didn't fare well for... The viewing public. Oh, sorry. (laughs) One man who it didn't fare very well for was, and obviously at this point, you think surely he's talking about Hulk Hogan because... Of course, because he he, got got annihilated. He got shafted. He got got beaten up not only by a Yeti, worse still, Lex Luger. (laughs) (laughs) He then pauses and says, it didn't fare too well for... The macho man, Randy Savage. <laughs> <laughs> the real victim, of course, in all this, was the macho man. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Ridiculous, but of course it is, isn't it? It's what we've come to expect. Out comes the Sarge first, marching snare drum music and sparkly pyro that quickly blocks him from view and all. He's got his ammo belt on, but no weapon. Well, what's the point of that? Ridiculous. He looks like a full fucking uni, though, don't he? He's a, yeah, he's he's a, a big a, lad. Very big guy, isn't he? And then enter the suavest Tash slash mullet combo in the industry, Eddie Guerrero. I am up for this. The lads size each other up. Pittman with a spoiling amateur style, trying to stop Eddie from, you know, getting into his flamboyant and fast-paced stride, which makes sense. So exactly what you do. Fantastic stuff. We size another up again and again, and then some petty slaps to the chin by... Pittman, who's got the reach on Guerrero, before he brawls and manhandles the man from El Paso. Eddie sells all really well, including shouting to the official at one point to get him off me, ref, when he's got the rope break. You know, again, exactly as you would. Great stuff. Eddie picks up a little momentum, whipping Pitbull into the ropes, and it's clear Sarge cannot keep up with Eddie's speed. The Marine... Oh, totally differently. It's Mm. it's just stunning, isn't it? All the way through this, though, they are still referring to Halloween Havoc, aren't they? 
Oh, the, the, there's, 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 there's a lot of mentions like of Halloween Havoc and how great it was. And I think, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Heenan. He, he says something like, um, it's ch- it'll, it'll change the course of professional wrestling moving forward or something or other. He wasn't wrong. I think, it, I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. I think by that he means they'll all be sat, like all the producers will be sat there just thinking, never put any bollocks like the, the, uh, the truck off on live pay-per-view again. Yeah. <laughs> The Marine regains control and roughs up Eddie's shoulder with some good-looking submission holds and stomps. A whip from Guerrero sends Pittman into the corner, but he then dodges the follow-up shoulder tackle attempt, which both lads time expertly, especially Eddie, who realistically sort of steps in with force just at the last moment, which looks super slick. And often with that spot, there's like an age between the two, so it looks like one person is clearly on purpose running into the corner, but not here. Just It's fucking brilliant. These two just got the timing nailed, especially Eddie. It was all him. Brilliant. But then Pittman rolls Eddie up into what looks like it'll be a small package, but then he sort of seemingly accidentally just lets him go. So they yeah. sort of grow has to sort of just roll around on the floor a little bit and do his best to sell the previous sternum hit into the buckle. Bizarre yeah, he fucked it up completely, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, he was, it was yeah and it just looked like a, it was a real like, ah, uh, especially we've seen how slick Guerrero is normally like it was just like a that's gone wrong and it isn't Eddie's fault more rough housing from Pittman focused on Eddie's left arm which is setting up his finisher the code red as Heenan expertly and helpfully informs us crowd's pretty flat throughout this though so you know we need to pick up the pace a bit here lads Pittman listens to me and executes a nice belly to belly (laughs) but we go back to slow shoulder affecting wrist locks and stretches from the corner I'm not really sure what Pittman's going for here as he drags Eddie out of the corner and neither, it seems, is Eddie. It all gets a little bit clumsy and sort of stunted and, okay, mate, what are you doing? As Pittman pulls him away without a clear idea of, you know, where he's going next. We get a few sort of short arm shoulder tackles as he keeps hold of Eddie's arm. Um, reversed brilliantly by Guerrero, who sort of reaches right around him in one of these these shoulder drags and kicks him in the back. Looked fantastic, that. Um, and then Eddie resists a belly-to-back suplex by holding onto the top rope. Great. Pittman flies backwards without his quarry, and then we get a graceful, as you like, springboard crossbody from the top of the middle rope from Eddie, leaps up on top of it and bounces back and spins round to crossbody. Just look, just incredible absolutely gorgeous one two no belly to belly in response from Pittman a two count after that and then a nice standing gut wrench powerbomb from him on Eddie Eddie's Irish whipped bounces off the ropes and then executes a cracking hip toss reversal with a sort of body scissors roll up pin for the win I have no idea what this move would be called but it looked fantastic and he gets the shock win to the elation of the crowd after the break we get a recap from September the 11th, Miami, Florida, where, just as Liam feared, we are going to have a doom-off between the Shark, oh God, and top heel material, Scott Norton. This is classic WCW, isn't it? They've clearly like tried to build a feud, forgot about it because there was a pay-per-view coming up, looked over the tapes and were like, shit, we, we better go back to that. <laughs> what happened to these guys? Yeah. yeah. And here they are. <laughs> so we've got, we... Scott Nor- got Scott Norton just walking about the locker room, just doing that, <laughs> twiddling his thumbs for, for seven yeah. weeks. <laughs> exactly right. So, you know, so why have we got this? Well, as Liam told us last time, because Shark fell on Scott Norton's legs, meaning Macho got the pin. Oh, God. Exactly. The two argued as a result, and then the lads brawled in the back six weeks later on Nitro, which was last week, um, 
they kept it together for six weeks, but now it's apparently boiled over. We get Jaws rip-off music, and out comes the least likely shark you'll ever see, as the lads on comms tell us that Bobby Heenan has left the announce table during the commercial break. Shark has Disaster. a... St- <laughs> Disaster. I mean, yeah. I, am, I am panicking here. I'm reaching for the whiskey and the shotgun yeah. at this point. Uh, Defcon 4, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's Titanic sketches a bit. He's deserted. Heenan's deserted. He's seen the iceberg. He's fucked up. Shark has a spandex sleeveless suit on. And which has an embroidered shark fin on the front and then a full great white with blood dripping from the mouth on the back plus it has a sort of shark tooth bandana with shark tooth face paint on his lower jaw. Right, is he meant to be a shark or is he a bloke who loves sharks? Because it's, it's half and half here. Like, what, what, it does, it, what a mess. Like, it's ludicrous. And obviously, as we said before, he does not look like a killer from the deep at all does he Mongo at the end refers to him as that whale at the end (laughs) the whale is far better it's far better that's what he should have been exactly so as Shark leans on the top rope to await his opponent the crowd behind him look as bored as I feel now viewers at home you can't see this but lads I've just shown you a picture look at the crowd behind the shark <laughs> look at that we've literally got people looking glum as fucking one resting on their own fucking hands on their knees looking as bored as you can possibly imagine unbelievable enter Scott Norton who looks as barrel chested as Bluto and Eric tells us he's a former world arm wrestling champion and I believe that completely he looks it and then the two absolute hosses go at it. The shark takes control and plants Norton with a belly-to-belly suplex. Actually, very nice, in fairness, as the yeah. aquatic predator keeps hold of Norton before, during, and after the move, um, before then delivering this huge, great big elbow drop after slowly bouncing off the ropes. But he does get loads of height in this thing. He only gets a two... I was thinking... Um, sorry, I was thinking there were going to be... Because... The Sharks started off rapid fire. I was thinking we're going to get enough of a 90 second match here, aren't we? When uh, he's going to, he's going to be yeah. packed in about five, <laughs> any second. Have his big it. elbow drop, that's him done. <laughs> and in fairness, Jim, you weren't too far off. So Sharks' big elbow only gets a two count, and then Norton reverses the momentum and hits Shark with a few clotheslines, but to no avail. Bit daft this, as it makes the clearly immensely powerful Norton look a bit weaker by not being able mm. to ground the. The big fat lad. It's just... Eh. Norton heads to the top rope and shoulder tackles Shark, who still doesn't get him down, bounces off the turnbuckle back to Norton, who then body slams him, which looked genuinely fantastic. And, you know, this is where he should have been the fucking whale because he picked him up and it looked... Not a breeze, but, you know, it looked fucking fantastic. Should have been a finish. Should have been yeah. a finish. But it's way better than the actual finish. By a, by a country <laughs> mile or a fathom, yeah, yeah. as Shark would probably say, it only gets Norton a two <laughs> count. It, we get a reversed Irish whip, ducked clotheslines, and then a terrible-looking double clothesline oh, as yeah. the wipes both men so out cool. slowly and the ref starts the count. Then we mercifully get a breather from this absolute shite and we find out where Bobby the Brain Heenan went he's in the crowd but sitting at a table in front of a sushi platter and next to a besuited Japanese businessman wearing sunglasses with a candelabra and a bottle of champagne and then a number of evening gown or business suit clad beautiful women behind him watching the action the apparent potential investor from Japan is watching all of this unfold in the ring as the denim shirt wearing Heenan looks like he's explaining what's going on and rubbing his fingers together to signify money back in the ring the shark's not made it back up yet as Norton drops an elbow on him from the apron Norton sent into the ring post didn't look great but then returns the favour into the steel barricade looked a bit better 
The two brawl a bit more, and then the bell goes for a double count out. Sheesh, that's the fucking finish. Oh, fuck me. What was, what was the point of that? I, I, Christ. Toilet. Absolute toilet. But you've got to be more creative than just a double count out. Have, have a, like a di- disqualification or something, because that it, it just tells a better story. And then if you're carrying this feud on, it just gives you some you know ammunition to move forward, doesn't 100% it? 100% different. So flat, so flat to it, just Absolutely to kick it off like Absolutely correct. A, a DQ with one of them gra- grabbing a weapon and using yeah. that would have done so much better than this, like... These two lads are idiots who forgot about the count yeah. and didn't but, even do a great deal of damage yeah. to justify it. Because they, they do they do carry on fighting, don't they? Like after the uh... oh, they brawl slowly to the back. And the thing that really wound me up here, right? And this is probably <laughs> probably one for the nitpicker. I appreciate this is a bit of <laughs> this is a bit of gimmick infringement. So so put me back in my box, Jim. But. As they're on the way back up, they take turns slamming each other into the diamond plate WCW metal signs, right? At which point Eric lies. Oh my God, that's solid steel. No, it isn't, mate. That is clearly hollow and light as a fucking feather. Stop it. Stop lying. No, it isn't. And neither of the wrestlers react to it either. <laughs> neither of the wrestlers particularly yeah, react. Said it completely. No, of course they do. And they bounce off each, and then they take <laughs> yeah. turns, and then bugger off in, into the you know through the apron back to Gorilla. Oh, Tim Patrick shepherds him to the back, doesn't he? <laughs> Tim Patrick <laughs> takes him right to the back. He's the only one bothered about it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, lads, move it on. <laughs> So as they bugger off to the back, unfortunately, it looks like we are going to see more of these lads. And this was an attempt to, you know, keep the feud going. But as Liam rightly says, not doing it justice by something like a decent DQ finish. But then we get an absolutely excellent piece of out-and-out comedy from Mr. Heenan that had me watching it on replay a few times on the WWE Network. He chats to the Japanese investor who hands him an envelope seemingly full of money. Bobby takes it and places it inside his shirt. Then, as the two toast their secret deal with a swig of champagne, Bobby picks up some sushi with his chopstick, sniffs it, turns his nose up at it, and sends a sideways glance to the businessman and realises he's not looking, chucks the piece of sushi back onto his plate whilst pretending it's gone into his mouth then puffs out his cheek with his tongue to make it look and then pretends like he is chewing the piece of sushi which makes the lads on comms I think it was Mongo absolutely crack up and whilst they're trying to you know disparage him and be really fed up with him because it is just like I mean this is Mr Bean comedy but done well this was hysterical I fucking love this incredible comic acting really got me I watched it about five times and I don't care what that says about me this is great gold TV gold Next, we get a promo from Flair Flying Brian, the battery, double A, which is chaired by Tony Giovanni. Where's Mean Gene? It's a good question. Mean Gene's obviously yeah. recovering from his havoc. He did do a heavy lifting, didn't he? Yeah. He, did a lot. he was busy. He, he did busy. a lot. I mean, this is fair enough. And I am not mourning for a second if we get a bit more Giovanni. We get cracking heat from the crowd as the three of the four horsemen enter with their four horsemen symbols in the air. We get a recap of what happened at Havoc and an explanation of why Flair turned, and it was because people had been asking him and Arn to bring back the horsemen, to which they said, be careful what you wish for, and this just goes to show what they meant. All good stuff, though Double A in his non-wrestling gear looks a bit like a sort of, you know, slightly scary sort of geography <laughs> teacher, you know, taking you on like a, on a like a field trip somewhere far too dangerous, like, we're going to an active volcano, kids, you know, you look, he's a bit creepy. But um, apart from that, all looks fucking brilliant, it sounds great, Flair is cracking, I mean, absurd, but cracking. Um, Bischoff calls him pond scum, which made me laugh. <laughs> Pond that scum. man is pond scum. He's pond scum, <laughs> that man. He's a water bowman. He's, he's pond yeah. scum. <laughs> Christ. All right, Ric Flair, fair enough. But all right, all, okay, Bish. Pillman was, uh, Pillman was very excitable, wasn't he? 
He was. He's can't, he, he, he was. He was acting like I expected <laughs> Maniac Mike to act <laughs> as, the, as, as the winner of the uh, the Harley Davidson sweepstakes. Like, he, like he, he came out like he, he'd won a competition. Like the other two were just like cool as you like, and Brian was just popping off everywhere. Maniac Mike. I forgot about it. <laughs> Maniac Mike. Triple dead in Maniac Mike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's pissed off, Mrs. <laughs> Maniac Mike. <laughs> who's, who's his fiance for the record? That's still a, a cracking line from Gene. For the record. Just in case anyone was you know, going to tap her up on the way back. <laughs> There's a plug, isn't there, for like next Something about the horsemen on the next week, on next week's show. I missed it, though. Uh, yeah, have you got they, a match or something? Yeah, they're going to be back. They're going to be back in, in, in full force next week, so I think we're going to see them in action. I still oh, don't know okay. who the fourth horseman is, unless I've missed it. But you know, oh, they teased it, didn't they? They teased, they teased it. Oh, ah, right, okay. Very good. Well, I cannot the man on the wait way. to find out, because this is good yeah. stuff. You know, Flair, totally over the top, but fantastic. On the kind of anchor, great stuff. Pillman, happy to be involved, but he's great in the ring. So this is this is great. I'm looking forward to see how this this uh, this storyline expands and transpires. And I assume the Sting revenge we're going to have that because we didn't get it this week. Mm. Next. He got some credit. He got some credit though, didn't he? He did. Uh, Double A was uh, very complimentary towards Sting, like going up against two two uh, two men and putting up a good good fight. Which I quite like because this is yeah, yeah. teeing up a kind of you know this is this is still on being a heel but giving respect where it's due yeah. this whole time. Or are they teeing you know a bit of yeah, a kind with, of with this open spot for the yeah uh, exactly default. correct. I mean that would be a, a massive <sighs> massive turn, wouldn't it? That'd be fantastic. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, I'm sure we'll find out. Next up is the suicidal, homicidal, genocidal Sabu, whose funk rock music hails his entrance, which is quickly punctuated by the shitty disco music signifying disco fucking Inferno's arrival. I hate this guy. Uh, you missed off the plug for next week. I know, I know, I can't do it. I know, I can't, I can't, because I do it every week, and it's fine, all right. It's the the Blue Bloods, they I know it is. (laughs) (laughs) Every time time I mention that, I make a note. Absolute fuckers. Yes, all right, we're going to get to see on Saturday night, on the episode we don't fucking watch, the Blue Bloods in action, right? Yes, and we're going to miss it here, because I'm never going to see them, and it's never going to happen, so I'm sandbagging it, fuck you both. And it's the big grudge match. I know it is! (laughs) I know what's what's happening! It's going to be huge. (laughs) But I'm not going to see it, it doesn't fucking matter. (sighs) Back on Nitro, Sabu tries to jump the bell with some dives at Disco's feet. To which the 70s throwback dodges twice before Sabu then clocks him with a vicious looking right hand. Look Love fucking this. stiff. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. In Sabu. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> totally on his side. Steve, can I jump in a sec though? Of course you can. Do you know the uh, the beginning, they teased, didn't they, for uh, next week, what they're going to be doing in terms of... Um, they did, you did, like, right? WCW is going to be live and interactive, isn't it? Apparently we the can viewers pick. can ring in. And uh, sort some of the, uh, the the matches out. And the phone line's deadly, a, but I've already called up fifteen times for the. Well, I had alarm bells going off straight away because we know <laughs> we know we need some structure here. We know that, that's what this show is lacking. It's just some solid structure and some backbone. <laughs> so finally, so, it's be, <laughs> so next week. <laughs> We're gonna fix it. Yeah. <laughs> finally, I know what we can do to fix it. Yeah. Some organised chaos. And I'll tell you who won't be making an appearance. Disco Inferno. <laughs> oh, the Blue Bloods. <laughs> you fuckers. <laughs> Telling you, be a wrestling revolution when you see them both. You won't know what to make of it. You won't, you won't know what's hit you. <sighs> anyway, we're back, we're back, and we get a gorgeous springboard back 
half kick from Sabu. He's so graceful in the air. His timing is always... I know he's a mentalist. I know he's suicidal, homicide, genocidal, and gets a lot wrong. But when he's in the air, his timing is perfect. He follows it up with a missile drop kick from the middle of the top rope. Again, brilliant. Then we get a weird, but quite liked it, hair grab face buster from Disco Inferno. But then he ruins it by doing his shithouse dancing and then, you know, fucking disco in crap. Just loses all credibility straight away, Instantly, instantly he does. And he pulls out this Saturday Night Fever. Absolute shit. Checking his hair. It's fucking every time. So annoying. And then we get a clothesline from Inferno. Booze all round. You're dead right, crowd. So was (laughs) I. So was I. Some heel shithousery as Inferno uses the top rope to add some pressure to a Sabu headlock, um, followed by a top rope push and pull that sends Sabu back into the middle of the ring. And as part of this close-up, we see just how fucking scarred Sabu's torso and arms are. Fuck me, this lad has not been messing about in his, you know, other wrestling endeavours, has he? Christ, crazy stuff. He's great at selling as well, which, which you know, mm. he continues to do whilst facing an onslaught from Inferno. Sabu then dodges a splash into the corner, and the resulting impact to Disco Inferno's solar plexus, as JR would say, sends him down to the canvas. Sabu hops outside the ring and executes a glorious somersault leg drop from the outside, from the apron to the inside, and lands perfectly on Disco. I mean, just pitch perfect. Fucking brilliant stuff. One, two, three! The Arabian High Flyer picks up the win. Lovely stuff here from Sabu, like some cracking stuff in this match. And for a nice change, there was no crazy OTT extreme stuff for the sake of it. Just lovely moves, executed superbly. And oh, of course, I'm wrong. He's continuing to batter Inferno. Oh, he's bored of this by the end. Is he doing yeah. this again, Sabu? He can't do this every week, can he? Uh, honestly, it's fucking shit, right? Why is there no retribution? I know. Why is there no retribution? This is it. It's right? just every you just week get to free you, pass. you assault someone? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's just stuff. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> So, for the sake of explaining what went on, here's what happened. Sabu slingshots himself outside for a sort of hurricane rana, which he and Disco botch. Disco doesn't quite catch him with legs either side of his head, so Inferno just sort of collapses, and it looks like it's a bit of a powerbomb, which then both lads sell, and it doesn't fucking work. (sighs) Sabu seems to leave. Oh, okay, okay, we've just got that. That's all right, we'll cut. No, he's just gone to get a table from the back. He's gone right up the gangway to grab a table. Back he comes with a table. He runs back towards the ring, to which Ferno walks towards him and accepts the stupid table throw, hits him, and then Disco's out again. We get... Inferno set up on the table while Sabu heads back into the ring and then hurls himself over the top rope to the table outside to do a kind of senton on the table and Inferno dodges it for the obligatory Sabu tries to end himself spot. But the table doesn't break. Inferno pegs it to the back and Sabu takes out his frustration on the steel stairs, which we can hear, we can't see because the camera's cut away, and then we go to a break. A Pretty good match with some lovely stuff from Sabu, ruined by bollocks at the end that didn't tell a story, didn't make sense, didn't even particularly add to this should it be a potential feud going forward, which we know from prior experience it will not be, and it included some botches, for fuck's sake. Sorry. It looked quite hefty as well, this table, didn't it? It, looked like it, did, a, it did look like a pretty fucking big thing. It wasn't gimmicks, you think? He just, <laughs> he just ran back and just grabbed the first thing he saw, it turns out <laughs> no. like it wasn't the gimmick table. <laughs> I think that's the, that was the table, the, uh, the sushi buffet was on... <laughs> <laughs> because it looks pretty solid. Just take and all that fish. By the way, by the way, he cracked his back on it as well. It did, yeah. It took that pretty well because it sounded like it really hurt. It did indeed. Oh dear. Creepy mood music and totally incongruous sparkly pyro welcomes Lex Luger. Recently turned bad Jimmy Hart, man who should have given up a good while ago, Kevin the Taskmaster Sullivan, and 
being dragged down by all of this shit, class act Meng. Next out are the worst music on Nitro, and I'm including Mr. Wonderful and Hacksaw Jim Duggan in that, the American Males. Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Scotty Riggs. Did not realise his middle name was Alexander. Hang on, right? Yeah. And the American Males, the tag team champions. They have not lost those belts on Nitro since they won them in that ridiculous match That's against uh, Harlem Hayes, which when the, the understand Blue Bloods were meant to be on show. It's a very good point. They haven't, they haven't lost them on Nitro since. If they, are, if they have lost them, they've lost them somewhere else entirely. And <laughs> there's been no mention of it. So if they are the tag team champions, where are the belts? Because they didn't bring them. And if, they, if, if they're not, then why haven't we been told about it? I can't answer that. It sounds exactly like the type of thing Nitro do. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? There's a bit of title change. You just like work that out for yourself. Yeah. And to be honest, it, 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 if I'm look, if I'm thinking back to when um, they show the Harlem Heat and the Blue Bloods, I'm pretty sure the Harlem Heat have got the tag titles as well on that shot. Or the little thing. Yeah, yeah. Ah, well, so definitely done that without telling that. I'm not 100 percent on that, but I, I seem to remember something along those it. lines. Oh man. Oh well. But you are right, Jim. Good um, point. <laughs> I would if like to be made aware. We certainly of that. haven't been told about it. If there has been a title, yeah, yeah. If there has been a title change, then we'll work that out in, uh, in due course. We get underway in what is our main event. Meng and Scotty Riggs are going at it. Meng starts on the offensive, and honestly, even his strikes, which are kind of sort of martial arty, look amazing. We head to a break, and when we come back, I'm sorry to have to say this, but Lex Luger is in the ring and is shit. The American males take Luger on in some totally nondescript wrestling action, including a really, really poor back body drop. As Scotty Riggs sort of goes down, but styles it a little bit and goes sort of slightly shoulder first rather than straightly straight front on, and uh, Luger can't, you know, figure it out quickly enough, so slows down to a walk, having come off the ropes, then realises it's a back body drop setup, and then stops, and then throws himself over completely unrealistically. Looked, looked awful. Bish and Heenan try and fix it by saying, nice, nice, and very nice. Good effort, lads, but no, it wasn't. And the rest distracted. Meng hops in, bear hugs Scotty, and then drops down to his knees with superb timing to allow the rope-running Luger a free shot at clotheslining the stricken rigs. A cracking double-team spot this, but frankly, it was all Meng's doing and all Meng's timing. Meng then scarpers out of the ring at tremendous pace before the ref can see. Brilliant. The bad guys isolate Riggs. Meng does some superb-looking stomps to the head with the ringside camera getting a close-up. So even at that fucking, you know, half a metre distance, it looked inc- they looked brilliant. Like, yeah, he's so good. And just as I was thinking that, Meng delivers what I would posit is one of the very best backbreakers I've ever seen. I mean, we're talking Arn Anderson spine buster levels of beauty, this thing. The timing, the power, the impact. Honestly, I watched it a few times over and over and it gets better every time. Meng is fucking amazing. If anyone can find me a better backbreaker than this, I'll be forever indebted. It's at 34 minutes and 49 seconds on the WWE Network. If you can find a better one, please tweet us at TMN Scores. That's at TMN Scores. There's your plug. We go back and forth a bit as Luger's tagged in, all a bit bland this, and Meng calls for the tag. Please give it to him. He then goes to work on an exhausted Scotty Riggs. And as he does so, I appreciate a lot of Ric Flair fans are going to find this hard to hear, myself included. But he executes, Meng this is, one of the very, or some of the very best chops I've ever seen. He does like a hold, pose, hold a bit more, and chop. And it's fucking brilliant. Yes, Meng. Awesome. I'm in. After a good while, Bagwell gets the hot tag, and with Luger, the other legal man at this point, he goes to town, much to the audience's delight. And in fairness to Luger, he sells this onslaught quite well. But I tell you what, Bagwell looked pretty good here, and I was quite impressed. A little bit like I was with Billy Gunn going, oh, you might have something here. 
but in Nitro. Luger is like the most glorified job guy I've ever seen at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting the shit kicked out of him by the American males. Every, every advantage he has got in this match has come from men helping him. He is the most glorified job guy I've ever seen. Yeah, that's, that's he get, fair. He gets a nice pop, doesn't he, Bagwell, from the, uh, the crowd Huge. as well when he, uh, I was when he gets the, the, yeah. the tag in. 100%. Yeah. He does. They go, they're fucking absolutely clamoring for it. And as he continues to batter Lex, yeah, he really does. He did, right? And then Jimmy Hart distracts the ref. Meng sneaks in, takes out Riggs, kicks Bagwell in the face with this brilliant, you know, superb, the, the flexibility on Meng as well for a big lad. Incredible. And then Luger applies the world's worst finisher, the torture rack. And we get the win as we head to a break. When we come back, Mongo asks Eric and Bobby, trick or treat? Of <laughs> <laughs> course he does. Why wouldn't he? Bischoff puts one of the sponsor's Snickers bars into Mongo's crap trick or treat pumpkin bag. But Heenan hesitates, and so Mongo hits him in the face with some silly string. What a joker. <laughs> it's a full can, just relentless. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And stop with it. Like twat. Bischoff says here, after Heenan's been uh, hit with you know the entirety of this can, he, uh, <laughs> Bischoff says to uh, Mongo that he, uh, he lives on the edge. Yeah. Like it, like he's chucked some like acid in his face. <laughs> you, you sadistic character, you <laughs> silly, stri- silly string to the head. You live on the edge. Brilliant. Oh, perfect. Yeah, he does. Oh man! And in fairness to Heenan, he does his level best to sell it the poor bugger. Honestly, this lad needs a fucking sizable pay rise. <laughs> Bishop gave Bishop gave a Snickers as well to Pepe, which I thought was a bit a bit underhanded because the Snickers could, of course, kill Pepe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's his plan. In that case, I like I was it. Thinking, I was thinking it might well be. <laughs> oh. oh, brilliant! Next, we get a Halloween Havoc main event recap. Though mercifully, the footage, the oh, footage, the footage arrived. has finally arrived. You did right, Jim. And <laughs> just in time. <laughs> Hang on a second. This was the footage they've been on about. Yes. Yeah. I know. So just all oh, right. Just, just the end of the match. Exactly. So mercifully, this this footage doesn't include the monster truck atrocity, which, in fairness, for people who haven't seen it, is obviously the one bit that everyone wants to see. Listen to our Halloween Havoc special for the full rundown of all the utter chaos, courtesy of Liam. And we then see Hogan leg-dropping giant before all of the cobblers ensued, including the Jimmy Hart double-cross and the Yetis appearance in amongst all the crappy bear hugs. And let me just say, on record, the bear hugs and the Yeti get worse with repeat viewings. Yeah, I made the exact same note. I, just how, how ridiculous the Yeti gimmick was, like... Surely, whoever whoever proposed that idea didn't have a job for much longer. <laughs> once once they once they watch the highlights back, because it's shocking, isn't it? It's just awful. the bandages and all kinds. Uh, and oh. he adjusts the bandage around his face at one point. I'm going, like, if you can do that, take them off. Take them off. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fuck me. Awful. Anyway, after this repulsive recap, we get back to the present, and the giant has the belt, which still says Hulk Hogan on it, because of course he didn't win it, obviously, because it was a DQ, and we don't change titles on a DQ, but we get a generic and. Uh, you know, it, almost exclusively awful promos from all of the lads that have yeah. come out for the Dungeon of Doom. And from them, we learn the following. One, Jimmy Hart was the evil in Hogan's camp rather than the black clothes, which we all thought and Hogan said. Ludicrous. <laughs> Number two, that Giant is ready to defend the belt that he doesn't really win and doesn't own anymore against anyone who fancies their chances. Well, it doesn't matter, Giant. You haven't got the belt. doesn't, doesn't fucking make any difference. Can we just, can we just go back to the uh, things we learned from the, about Jimmy yeah, Hart? Yeah, go on. Yeah. <laughs> 
Åh, oh, det er godt for det. I skal have en ny bog kommet af vandet. Ja, det er det. Han er en Jimmy Hart. I didn't get this. So maybe you'll read about it in my, why I turned on Hogan. Maybe you'll read about it in my new book. Or maybe I'll tell the whole world about it next week. So I didn't understand. Is, is he, has he really got a new book coming out? Or was that just a shit joke? And either and way, gonna... either way, I'm going to wait till next week in any case. I'll save myself some cash. I'm going to read the whole book. You know what, Jimmy? I will leave it a week and tell me if you tell me the contents of the book. And then I might buy it. On Jimmy Hart serializing his book on Nitro. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and we also learned, number three, that Lex Luger and Kevin Sullivan absolutely cannot, for love nor money, despite all of the attempts, cut a fucking promo. Jimmy Hart then runs around to the lads in the middle of the ring as they deliver their last ga- <laughs> promos again and again and again and again, <laughs> fist pumping to the crowd, and with that, we're mercifully put out of our misery and we are out. Yeah, it, it, it was kind of like when you let a dog off a lead and it seems like an open space. <laughs> And it just starts zigzagging into the open space. That's what it was. That's what it was like with Jimmy Hart. He was some clearly ex- ecstatic, like Doberman, just <laughs> circling the group. <laughs> the evil's gone to his head straight away. Just running around. Yeah, evil. <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so. I mean, that's clearly a, a trait of someone who's evil, isn't it? Celebrated. If you'd have got, if you'd have got a fucking, the fucking you celebrated. If you'd have got the Burgess Garden the and seen all the fucking high-ranking Nazis. That table, yeah. they were all doing that. They took turns. Hitler's up and running around. Yeah, Goebbels got his t-shirt over his head. <laughs> Oh, bud. Right, let's find out what the Nitro Builders and Killers were. Liam, kick us off with your Nitro Ratings Builders. Okay, so builder number one, I'm going for the horseman. It's only a short segment for them mm. on the uh, on the show, but what I think you've got here is a legitimate heel stable. Yeah, um, that can carry WCW going forward. Um, there's no cheap cartoony gimmicks like you've got with the uh, the Dungeon of Doom. Uh, the crowd genuinely seem to dislike the, the group. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that they've got a good potential here to to carry this forward for for, for a long time. I think so. Yeah, very impressed with the uh, the horseman today. Lovely stuff. Um, builder number two, I've said this before, but it does need to get a mention um, again. So I'm going to go Eddie Guerrero for yeah. builder number two. Lovely. And with with this now, he seems to he seems to be fighting quite a, a lot. Obviously, low card. I think it's about time now they give him a bit more of a push. He's definitely capable of yeah. going for one of the uh, you know the US title or the TV title or do you, know, do you know what I mean? I think he's definitely capable. Hundred um, percent. And the and the crowd seem to be uh, to be taking to him well as well, uh, you know. So they it do, looks, don't it looks they? pretty good to yeah, him. Yeah, they really yeah. do. And I think what he's what he's demonstrated as well is not he's obviously his bread and butter is obviously these high flying um, maneuvers. But in the, in the match tonight, I think he did quite a lot of uh, good technical mat skills as well. So he kind of like True. put both sides a bit across. So True. hopefully a bit of a, a bit of a push maybe going forwards yeah, for, uh, for Eddie Guerrero. Um, and then build number three, slightly controversial because Ooh. I don't think the match was great that he was involved in, but I'm going to go uh, Scott Norton as my builder number three only because, mm-hmm. and I think it has been mentioned, um, I think he has got really good potential to be a good heel. He's very, very, you know, if you look at him, 
very powerful. Um, I just think he, he, his standards dropped because of the opponent he was in the ring against. Fair and we enough. Know we know that opponent has been shockingly <laughs> bad, you know, in some of the other shows. Yeah, so enough. hopefully, again, we, he's here to stay because he was around for a couple of weeks and then he, he's not been on the show for, for, you know, five or six weeks. So yeah. I think, again, <clears throat> if they gave him a little bit more of a push, I think he's, you know, got good credibility to, to being a pretty, uh, pretty good heel. So, yeah, Scott Norton for me. Cracking stuff. Jim, what were your Nitro Builders? A Builder one is the, is the Sabu match, so not including the, the aftermath. But, um, <laughs> yeah, the match, even though it included Disco Inferno, which is obviously a huge drawback, uh, they kept it short. Sabu's aerial antics were, as you quite rightly pointed out, very impressive. Oh, and so um, I really liked it when he punched Disco Inferno in the face. <laughs> <laughs> we were all with you, Sabu. <laughs> Solidarity, my friend. <laughs> yeah, we all had the TV Heart celebrations go. <laughs> <laughs> All around the coffee tables. Yeah, the, the, Jimmy, the Jimmy Hart fist pumps were out. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Builder number two is uh, similar to what Liam said, the Horseman interview. Mm-hmm. Slightly different reasons, though. I enjoyed, I enjoyed Brian Pillman, on, Pavel Pillman, should I say, on the mic. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm intrigued about who the, who the fourth guy coming yeah. into the group is going to be. And uh, Builder number three, Liam's just touched on it. Jimmy Hart running around the ring. <laughs> We're close to show. <laughs> Crack me up. <laughs> Perfect. Fantastic stuff. All right, well, my builders. Bill number one, Bobby Heenan's acting. Genuinely entertaining, sushi skullduggery, and a silly string selling masterclass. Once again, the shining beacon of light of the broadcast for me. Bill number two, Sabu in the ring. What an athlete. The timing, the grace, the lightweight, fast-selling reactions. Incredible. And builder number three, Meng's Chops. Liam, hit me with your Nitro Ratings Killers. Okay, so killer number one, I've gone for the Dungeon of Doom. Um, <laughs> and going, going back to what I said about, you know, having a legitimate heel, heel like stable, I think these are becoming more cartoony as the weeks are going by, you know. I mean, we're a FIFA foe from away from this becoming like a fairy tale, aren't we? So. <laughs> Killer number two, I'm going to go for Disco Inferno. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm fed up with his with his antics as well. Um, either, either you know, cause in in moments he looks quite good in terms of his his manoeuvres, and then mm. he spoils that with all this dancing caper. So pick one <laughs> or the other, you know. Um, I agree. And, and when his music hits, you, you can just see the disappointments in the crowd. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's true. That is true. It, it, hopefully, hopefully the uh, penny drops soon, <laughs> and, and we're, we're rid of Disco Inferno from uh, from the lineup. Um, and then, killer number three, I'm going to go Mongo. Um, and again, Mongo's been said a couple of times, hasn't he? But. I mean, I'm one oh, to say about yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm I'm one to say about sorting your comms right when I referred to Nick Patrick as Tim Patrick incorrectly for a long period of time. But uh, just the, just the shenanigans now with Mongo, um, the the Pepe gimmicks oh. again. That's that's becoming an, so tired. Isn't it? it's so tired. The silly string. The silly string. Shit. Again. I know. I know. <laughs> Fantastic, Jim. Give us your ratings, killers for WCW Monday Nitro. Killer number one is uh, the shark versus Scott Norton. Yeah, fair enough. So whenever whenever the shark's involved in something, it's it's going to be shit. And this segment <laughs> certainly delivered on that. Absolutely <laughs> dreadful. 
Killer number two is the footage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll never forget that. Every single segment of this show, <laughs> the footage was mentioned and the fact that it was being transported. It made no sense. Why was it being transported? <laughs> yeah. uh, just talking to people like they're idiots. If, if I was like eight, if I was watching this at the time, aged eight or whatever, I'd probably thought, oh, yeah, yeah, ma'am, they're, they're bringing the footage. It's coming from somewhere, that footage. <laughs> but like now, if I was my age watching this then, I'd be like, what the, do you know what I mean? Like, um, and killer number three is the shoehorning of, of Luger and Jimmy Hart into this into this really bad cartoon act. Yeah. They just don't make, don't make any sense in there. Like all the others have got some kind of weird shtick going on. Whereas Luger, obviously, apart from his shtick being that he's the most glorified jobber of all time. <laughs> Um, and Jimmy Hart's there in his suit like he looks really official whereas with the Taskmaster's got like face paint on and you know, everything else <laughs> so yeah Perfect. they just love it they just look really weird in there and yeah it just needs to happen lovely stuff fantastic alright my ratings killers for WCW Monday Nitro killer number one Sabu out of the ring what a mess He's like a kid who's like, you know, been having to really fight his urges to, like, you know, to, to behave well all the way through like a family gathering. And then as soon as they're out the door, he just goes mental. Like, he goes ballistic, right? He's, he's, he's been bottled up too much. In the ring, throughout the match, perfect. As soon as the bell went, he's like, blah, like Taz. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> mental. Killer number two, the Dungeon Hogan recap and find out what happened, lie. We never found out. They told us on fucking Havoc we'd find out what happened to the giant when he fell off the building. We fucking didn't. Absolute lie. The absurd scenes at the end as Jimmy Hart ran round in circles around the <laughs> ring after no explanation at all, explanation of the events from the night prior. It's like a fucking... It's like the, the naughty group in GCSE drama, right? The ones who pissed about for six weeks and then, like, the night before, I come up with something and they've come up with this fucking promo shtick, right? Right, uh, uh, Jimmy, you just run round us in circles. Just run round us in circles, right? It's fucking absurd, right? They've cobbled it together in the afternoon and they've failed, right? They've got, they've got an F. Ludicrous. <laughs> and killer number three. Disco Inferno. He's boring in the ring. He's got a boring gimmick. He's irritating and not in a good heelish, I love to hate you and want to see you get your comeuppance kind of way, but as in a, I can't wait until he's not on my screen anymore kind of way. Awful. So that was WCW Monday Nitro from the 30th of October 1995. And now to see what the WWF had to offer. Jim, what happened on Raw? We're, uh, we're back in uh, Brandon, Manitoba, Canada for the, the second week running for this, this taped edition of Monday Night Raw. And because... <laughs> Bischoff will have something to say about that. <laughs> because tomorrow is uh, Halloween, of course. We've got a... The Monday Night Raw logo is superimposed onto this, this uncarved pumpkin which to begin the programme. Uh, the writing is uncarved. the same colour as the pumpkin. And, it was. And while we, the audience, are drinking in this fantastic visual, it appears that the count from Sesame Street I, has I, been I made the same in. notes. <laughs> No way. I, I did, honestly. The, I thought the count made it a bit. Yeah, the count's been drafted. He tells us, the witching hour is upon us. It's all at Hallow's Eve in the oh, World Wrestling Federation. So things are getting spooky. Uh, so yeah, I thought it was a nice touch. Uh, the, the Vince then allowed the count to do the recap of last week. 
<laughs> the, count, the, the count walks us through what happened because, of course, you can't have an episode of Monday Night Raw without a huge recap to, <laughs> to begin things. You're not kidding. Uh, the, the count also tells us tonight is the, the network television <laughs> debut of <did>. Goldust. <laughs> Oh, it was the count. It was the perfect. count. I can't believe I didn't pick it. It's spot on. It's probably because you could see him. It's thrown me, but you're dead right. It's not perfect. Was it, wasn't it Todd Pettengill as well? <gasps> was it? It was the Toddster. No, sure it Todd Pettengill's the count. I'm sure, I'm sure, honestly, I'm sure it was. <laughs> oh, well, now I can't like the count anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely made the same note, Jim. As soon as he started that, that ridiculous Dracula <laughs> that was accent, so bad. It was Sesame Street, <laughs> so wasn't it? bad. It was, it was. Um, he talks a bit about how we're going to have the television debut with Goldust tonight. And then it made me think about the really fucking billing Goldust, aren't they? He's really getting... Yeah, um, they really are. You know, I'm, I'm liking all the promos, I'm liking all the attention he's getting and everything else, but I'm surprised by the hype given that he just had a fucking career in the mid-card, didn't he? And yeah, like, yeah, I know. He's getting really pushed as if as if a new coming main eventer. Absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely enormous build. Yeah. Um, but anyway, from the count, we cut with the count, his, his piece is done, he's, he's, he's back off to Transylvania. Um, <laughs> and uh, we get the new the new uh, Raw titles, the, the new funky, upbeat Raw titles. Mm. We cut from them. Vince, he brings us into the show, he's shouting about ghosts and goblins <sighs> and the camera cuts to him and King. So Vince, it seems... <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> the lads have have, have, have have done some some Halloween Halloween costumes, or well, of a kind because neither of them are scary. And I'm no. thinking, yeah, it's an American kind of thing. It's the makeup Halloween is this massive thing where it's all like spooky, and then they get dressed up as stuff that isn't. You know yeah, so I mean? Vince Crazy. has borrowed his gear from Earl Hebner, and he's got his suits <laughs> <still> underneath. <laughs> <laughs> Vince is a bit of a ref with his suit on underneath, and then the king, which is I thought was quite nice he, he's come as an ordinary member of society in 2020 decked out in his full PBE <laughs> <laughs> set, forward set thinking the, the king he's, he's a forward he's thinking a, man he's setting a glorious example to the youngsters <laughs> and how to combat the spread of coronavirus there so well oh, done incredible. well done to you Jimmy Dollar um, but yeah I thought like I said I thought we had to be something scary for Halloween but here we've got Burglar Bill and a, and a medical <laughs> professional side by side do burglars wear hats is that a that's not something you know he's got that, like, that crappy well you know well, Burglar mean? Bill famously wore, wore, wore a black, like, like kind of yeah, skull like a, cap type like a band, beanie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but he, that's not what... Skull cap, where that came from. <laughs> yeah, <and it's, laughs> Burglar Bill was Jewish. <laughs> Played a bit of rugby in his spare time. <laughs> <laughs> what, it protects his ears, squeezing through all them cat flaps. <laughs> don't, lose, don't, lose, don't lose a lobe, do you? you know yeah. <laughs> Those cauliflower, cauliflower ears really protected. <laughs> Easier to identify, of course, wouldn't you, if you had cauliflower ears? <laughs> Easy to pick it out in the lineup. <laughs> oh. oh, fucking hell. And then we get a bit of back and forth, and the lads. King makes a few jokes about Vince's get up. Vince offers no comeback, which I thought was very good of Vince because he doesn't want to belittle the importance of mask wearing when you're out and about. Well done, Vince. <laughs> King then, <laughs> King then finishes by using a, a, a stethoscope to check whether Vince has a heart. He concludes Vince has no heart, but because he's placed the stethoscope so far away from where the organ is located, it would have been yeah. much more alarming <laughs> if a heartbeat had been detected. Yeah, it was nearly scapulous. <laughs> yeah, if they picked a heartbeat up from there, you're like, well, Vince, you, you, you're in trouble, mate. You need, you need to see you straight to fucking A&E, mate. That is, that is not healthy. <laughs> There's no pulse. <laughs> yeah, mate, not really scapula. <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. So from there, we cut to the, we cut to the entrances. Uh, Savio Vega, he's out first. 
He does he does a Jimmy Hart S lap of honour around the outside <laughs> of the ring. He's going around. He shakes hand with Liam's compadres on the Spanish announce table. Yes, praise be, praise be <laughs> to the lads. <laughs> Representing Halloween, they're good on you. <laughs> The lads are dressed in more traditional Halloween attire, of course. One, one's a vampire and the other's a devil. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Correct. There you, there you go, Vincent King. Perfectly appropriate Halloween costumes. So the the, the devil was he was a bit crap because he had like... Um... Hey, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> come on, Sam. <laughs> don't be, yeah, don't come be so on. hasty. Yeah. Yeah, I was just 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 in the sense that he was just wearing a swimming cap with horns on and then he had a plastic fox. He still had his full suit on. <laughs> from that <laughs> it, was, it was still yeah, it, it was more Halloween appropriate than, than the other t- uh, King and Lawless so no your audience Jim we've got Liam in your presence lost Liam in your presence I do I do apologise good, good you've ruined one of my, one of my builders already <laughs> <laughs> but then we get a we get a quality segment next we're, uh, so Vega goes to shake King's hand yeah. But, Kit, but then Vega does the classic pull away making a right mug of King and then Vince goes <laughs> Wait a minute, Lawless trying to shake. Is that ha? Taxi, yeah. <laughs> it's just incredible. He fucking loves it. Vince loves this. I oh, does. Oh my. And then, then, it, then Vince lets himself down by making a comment about King's mask and yeah. all the good work know, Vince honestly, you've done. Vince. Honestly, Vince, public health is a priority. <laughs> Well, then here comes Goldust. We're moving swiftly on. Get Huge, dramatic entrance from Goldust. Then the lights go off. So good. Gold confetti is raining down from the ceiling. There's a ton of smoke being billowed into the room. But oh, it's on power. The Undertaker, this entrance. This is absolutely <laughs> <Yeah>. absurd. <laughs> <laughs> no expense spurred for uh, Goldust. Goldust ditches his robe, his lids off, and then he jumps Vega. He's pounded him. All kinds of strikes, all manner of strikes. Look really good, really vicious. Great. Ding, ding, the bell goes. Um, <laughs> uh, Goldus enjoys an uninterrupted spell on top to begin with until he Irish grips Vega across the ring, then bends over into the idiot position, waiting for Vega to come back <laughs> in that spot that always backfires on Every the guys. Time. But still, Vega duly <laughs> takes advantage and he's now in the ascendancy. The crowd is loving it. They are and we massively have, on top for Vega, aren't they? They're so behind Yeah, they do like him. They do like him a lot. We have a really well-delivered spot that stood out because it made sense, yet you rarely see it. So Goldust, when he's running the ropes, Vega takes to the skies from a standing position as if he's going to drop kicking, but Goldust grabs the ropes, yeah, great. tosses the anchor out, and this forces Vega to take a bump on the mat. But, well, I've, I have mentioned it made sense in the sense that Goldust grabbing the, the ropes made sense, but it didn't make sense following when Vega stays down, selling it as though he's injured, because I presume he would have been hurt had he connected with the dropkick, if that was no, the case. No, no, every time. Spin, it's Vince, uh, Vince loves Vega, doesn't he? He he's does. Like, he, got, he, he speaks of him, uh, about him very highly. <clears> like, he loves push. it. Every time there's a there's like a comeback manoeuvre, he's like going off on It's like an orgasmic kind of reaction. <laughs> It's only Vince can deliver. Yeah, it was quite <laughs> he worrying loves the at dance one point. As well, didn't he? he fucking yeah, he loves does, the yeah. dance, Vince. We get it the same with HBK, don't we? You know what I mean? He fucking loves it. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, following that, we get a mention from uh, Jerry King Lord of Frankenstein, and he also surprisingly drops the name of the author, Mary Shelley. Yeah. I can't imagine there's been too many 19th century authors discussed on Raw over the years. No, I'm not you're sure. Right. I'm not sure, but but if you can think of any others, please, please get in touch with us on Twitter at, at TMN Scores. That is at TMN Scores. Uh, following that, Goldust puts the brakes on. He starts working the shoulder of Vega, the left shoulder. Some pretty shabby looking holes, which take us into a break. Yeah, they were. Uh, we're back in the ring after the break, and it's Banter Geddon on comms <laughs> with Vincent King. 
oh, treading on barbs about their respective costumes. <laughs> so we uh, we get Vince asking uh, Lawler about his specialism, and uh, Lawler, Lawler Lawler explains that he's a, a proctologist, which. Uh, <laughs> Which is someone that treats disorders of the colon, rectum, and anus. So I don't know what I don't know what Lawler's trying to tell us here, but he shows a very a very unique specialism for his uh, his medical background. But then he, he goes into then they the start to talk about uh, because there's there's a, there's a match next week. Um, Lawler and uh, Isaac Yankum going up against Bret yeah. Hart and Hakushi. And uh, Vince refers them to what a tag team because uh, Yankum, obviously being the dentist, can start at one end, and Lawler, being the proctologist, can start at the other. End. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was quite good for Vince. It's great from him. <laughs> it got me. This it got me. Oh, brilliant! It was good. I appreciated it. Yeah, back in the ring, we've got Vega rallies for a bit of comeback. It's a nice, nice flying crossbody from running the ropes. Covers for a two count. Goldust is straight up, and he's working Vega's shoulder again. Can anyone think? of a fitting way to describe Goldust because I've never heard Vincent Kennedy McMahon attribute any specific adjective to him and say it over and over again to make sure I get the message. <laughs> Can anyone think of anything to describe him? I mean, to me, I'm, Jim, I'm baffled. And I'm, I'm, this is, you know, this is just, this is gut reaction. I'd, I'd, bizarre? Maybe? I'd bizarre. bizarre? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> you think maybe they use it a bit more on commentary. <laughs> I mean, but anyway, it's incessant. <laughs> incessant, innit? It's incessant. Absolutely nonstop. And we don't need to be told. He's a man in gold. He's painted fully gold. He's in gold. So. He's wearing a gold onesie. <laughs> He's a fully grown man. He's wearing a gold onesie. <laughs> And Vince then compares Goldust's look to that of RuPaul, drank away RuPaul. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> but then he quickly backtracks, favourite he may have alienated a lot of his viewers, hastily adding the caveat of a masculine sort of RuPaul. Yeah, no. Is he a masculine drag? I'm not sure that one works. It doesn't, no, Vince, not at all. Sure. It's incredible. That's the opposite of a drag queen, isn't it, Vince? It's a man versus a woman, Vince, the opposite of masculine. <laughs> Okay. Um, Vince's bizarre Alan Partridge-esque train of thought is interrupted by Savio Vega <laughs> making a big comeback which is followed by a mistake by Goldust uh, he hits a few clotheslines does Vega the crowd are going hacker but Vega's still he's still selling that shoulder it's really hurting him and we then have a ridiculous spot where Vega goes to hit one of the most acrobatic athletic looking oh. spinning wheel kicks you've ever seen in your so life good. His kicking foot might be about 12 feet in the air. There's a good chance yeah. he would have missed Goldust had he stood straight <laughs> yeah. up there anyway. It was that high. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Goldust took evasive anyway about three days earlier, so it's, it turned out. And uh, it's another swing and a miss for the man from Puerto Rico. Um, Goldust then gives Vega a boot in his, his bad shoulder. Vega mm. goes down and it leads us into a very underwhelming finish where Goldust kind yeah. of uh, walks around as if he's thinking of something to do yeah. and on the stricken Vega who's selling on the floor. And then he just settles on getting him some kind of hammerlock before rolling him into a pin. And I was like, given all the, like the build-up, so the ref counts it, bell rings, and yeah, just didn't see it coming. I was thinking, given all the, all the hype and all the build-up, uh, we were going to see some kind of big manoeuvre that you know called this devastating finish or something like that, and uh, yeah, we didn't. Ditto. Um, yeah. Disappointing, wasn't it? And after Liam telling us about the, um, the 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 forward falling suplex from from in your house, yeah, on the paper, I was expecting that, and, and then we yeah. got this, and it was like, ah. And for for the, a, the suplex, you mean that allowed him to steal a win over Marty Jure? <laughs> <laughs> 
Ste- yeah, steady, steady Jim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more on Marty. More on Marty's coming up. Um, and we cut away from the ring. The lights are dimmed for Goldust victory celebration, of course. Vincent King both remind us that Goldust is uh, a bit of a star. And it, it does certainly, like we said before, certainly does certainly feel like yeah, that. I'll but, buy um, that. Yeah, I'll buy that. From from a star to an absolute cretin when we go to the back with <laughs> we get an ad for the karate fighters first to <laughs> sponsor in Survivor Series. It's just something else. We, we cut away from the karate fighters and oh my god, what the hell is this? We're in we're in <laughs> we're in Doc Hendrix's lair of ludicrousness. And he's mixing all kinds of Halloween messages for us here. He's 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 some kind of vampire tiger that is also in it's also in Kiss. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> what is going on here? I thought Sting had turned up and got a few beers. <laughs> yeah, Sting's done his eye makeup, you know, fucking Sting had been on the piss all afternoon, he... tried to do his face makeup and he's turned himself into a Bengal tiger. <laughs> For someone who's put so much effort into, you know, I'm going to really go all out and paint my whole face to look like a sort of, you know, like a pissed pumpkin. He's not got any other fucking clobber on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's, no, not, he's, normal he's gear, in his normal right, yeah. gear. And then he's just got a pumpkin, pissed pumpkin face. What the fuck is this, Doc? <laughs> fuck me. Well, Doc tells us all about the uh, the title match of the Survivor Series, which is going to be Diesel versus Bret Hart. No time limit, no countouts, no DQ. There must be a winner on the night. Sounds really good, but if only it was announced by someone who could have been taken halfway seriously. Doc leads us in saying, the reason this match has these stipulations is because there's always been interference. None of these stipulations prevent interference. Only a steel cage does that. No disqualification. Well, it's encourages interference. It's, it's encouraging interference. <laughs> yeah. None of these things solve the problem they're supposedly setting out, which is fine. But don't tell us they're the reason they've been they've been stipulated. Because now I think Gorilla Monsoon is a moron. Yeah, it's it delivered by a moron, isn't it? So I mean, we we can count it to go. Yeah, right, you might have got it wrong. You might have got it wrong. It could be a cage match. It could be a cage match. <laughs> <laughs> Following that, we then get an interruption that is straight out of the Eric Bischoff, page one of the Eric Bischoff broadcasting <laughs> textbook. This. Um, Vince says there's been a, been a shoving match in the, in the back between Owen Hart and Reza Ramon. And oh. We then cut to the back where Vince tells us Owen Hart's now out of the picture. And then, and then we just see an enraged Reza Ramon <laughs> being told to calm down by the one, two, three. If we had the, the cutaway to Reza, why couldn't we have a... Push yeah. and shoving. I know, I know. Well, I don't know why you'd do this. They've gone down the nitro route of like talking about things and they're not having to declare what's what's happened. Oh, so. it's, it's classic Bischoff. It's an absolute straight up Bischoff move that. I remember a long time ago um, when we were discussing um, such things in the back and Liam, you told Jim and myself that um, you were getting wound up by Eric because he was claiming things were happening in the back and if he's if, and without any proof and evidence and if he's doing that he, you know he, he, he could go to the right just saying there's a dragon right we'll, we've reached that stipulation here now there could be a, there's yeah. a dragon oh you've just missed him you've just yeah. missed him and now he's just raised him on the kid he's just gone out the window sorry lads it's, it's yeah. insane it's That's insane and I'm sick of it if you're clearly going to lie yeah, go all out yeah oh ludicrous <laughs> Mercifully, this is over quickly, and we cut to to the advert. I think you were allude, you uh, you thought I was alluding to earlier for the karate fight. You were right. This is exactly right. This is brilliant, <laughs> <laughs> but so bad. <laughs> this is the one that features Barry Horowitz and uh, Bret Hart's tag team partner for next week, Kushi. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you know what I did like though about that? Uh, the, the karate fighters think they had a referee. <laughs> <laughs> There was, a yeah. refer- there was a referee. Yeah. There was a referee in pictures to make sure everything was above, you know, above board. And you don't need one because someone wins when the other one falls over. Yeah. Right? It's, it's cut and dry. There's no ambiguity. Oh, sorry, I had to get because it just cracked me up. I just had to like pause it for a second because I was tears in the eye moment. Just this referee, just like kneeling into the picture. Right, let's just let's just check everything goes okay. Sorry, Jim, because I know this is like this is this is what you've been waiting for. Uh, we move on from that horrendousness in. Fantastic fashion because here comes making his way to the ring. It's Marty Janetti, yeah. everybody. The crowd is up, going wild, and rightfully so. <laughs> Love this. <laughs> yeah, I, it's fucking get up, honestly. Sorry, sorry, Jim. I know you like him. No, oh, is that wrong with it? Uh, Vince tells us <laughs> he, he looks like a walk. He looks like a walking pom pom. That's, <laughs> that's what he looks like this week. It's getting no, more wrong. It's, it's getting more outrageous as the weeks go on. <laughs> it like. is. Agreed. No, you're wrong. Vince tells us today he's one of WF's most exciting superstars, and oh boy, do I agree with him. He, <laughs> he's he's wearing his his majestic looking multicolored outfit that that's been wrongly attributed to looking like a pom pom and a, a burnout candle and things like that in recent weeks. He's and he's about to face runner up in the the fiercely fought Jobber of the Month contest. <laughs> Joe Dorgan. Joe Dorgan. It's Brian Walsh's week off, clearly. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, this one, as you can imagine, it would be a procession against even the most accomplished of uh, of wrestlers, but Joe Dorgan, he stands little up, little chance here. Um, so, Jeanette absolutely bamboozles Dorgan in the open exchanges. The gulf in class here really is embarrassing. <laughs> Following a beautiful arm drag from Ginetti early doors, Ginetti then hits a monkey flip on Dorgan, who at this stage, I'm feeling really sorry for him because he clearly doesn't know what day it is. Uh, we then see the lesser celebrated side of Ginetti as he locks in a devastating arm bar on Dorgan, who is, who is screaming for mercy. I can almost hear the sinew snapping out of his shoulder. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> he's a puffed up fucking pom pom who's 20 years out of date this is no. insane no, he's a 50 year old pom pom <laughs> no you're both wrong Do you know, he then wrenches the arm dog and knows his goose is cooked here so he rakes the eye boo <laughs> I'm obviously I'm angered angered at this but I don't begrudge Dorgan because what else could he have done Janae could have ended his wrestling <laughs> career right there and then if that whole devastated hold would have been for much longer Janae oh, Marty just for men Janae by the way <laughs> no not wrong was there Dorgan then he gets a few strikes in it that obviously they have no effect and then Dorgan whips Janae to the opposite turnbuckle before Janae what's that's charging at Janae should I say well, obviously telegraphs it and pow Dorgan collides the hapless Dorgan collides with a jaw breaking back elbow and we then get another monkey flip from Marty Gennetti. And I don't want anybody at home thinking Marty Gennetti's got a limited move set here. Because <laughs> exactly what I had in my notes. <laughs> How many monkey flips can one man do? No, <laughs> and no, no. us to buy it. What he's doing is, what he's doing is, he's just demonstrating to any aspiring wrestlers at home how to perfectly execute the monkey flip in case they missed it the first I time see. around. And it really is, it really is a work of art. <laughs> <laughs> I am now, after the monkey flip, I, I, I'm, I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted, sickened when Vince starts plugging next week's action when this, <laughs> this absolute clinic's taking place in the ring. 
Although he does pause to comment on a superb snapmare takedown from Ginetti, who then locks in a chokehold. Ginetti allows Dorgan back to his feet after that. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're making this one minute 30 match sound really, 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 really good, Jim. Well done. This is, this is phenomenal. This is propaganda in its best. This is storytelling in its finest. This is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Builder number one, Jim's narration of the Marty Janetti match. Yeah. I have to change it from one of me killers to one of me builds at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> the monkey flipping Marty. <laughs> we're, in, we're, in, we're in the turnbuckle now, and dog, and he eats a few body shots in it. The gilded, the gilded, the iron, the, the cast iron midriff of Janetti, who then unloads a barrage of devastating right hands on. On Dorgan. We get a couple of clothes lines, another choke was locked in. Janetti is clearly now just prolonging the spectacle for his adoring fans. <laughs> you, That's uh, now are obvious. You, are, you, are you dabbing your brow at this point, Jim? <laughs> Over, overwhelmed by this uh, this physical prowess in the <laughs> It was, it was marvellous, I must say. Janetti, uh, Janetti's running the ropes, Dorgan assumes the idiot position, bent over waiting for Janetti to arrive, and is duly punished as Marty drives him face first into the mat. He then, Janetti clambers onto the top rope, he shows a Cirque du Soleil headline level of acrobatics <laughs> as he balances on that turnbuckle, <laughs> without holding the ropes, I might add. He may as well have paused for the crowd, winked, and then jumped off, delivered that huge fist into the hapless, hapless face of the hapless dog, and it was flat out, can do nothing about it. This one is over. Ring the bell, referee. Uh, the crowd revel in the Martage Day masterclass as he celebrates just a little bit longer, and, and we, we, we pause there. Oh, well done. Bravo. Oh, fantastic. That's all lies, but brilliantly delivered. I always knew the nitpicker was a heel. (laughs) (laughs) Next we get a stroke of genius from Vince McMahon, knowing full well the crowd are going to be, fan interest at home, in the arena, everywhere else, everyone's going to be ecstatic following the Marty Ginetti match. Vince plugs an advert for next week. You know, this is the best chance of hooking as many people as he can. Um, <laughs> Strike while us, the iron's hot. <laughs> he tells us we've got a tag match. Not Vince, but the advert tells us we've got a tag match where, <laughs> in which the odds combination of Bret Hart and Akushi were going to be joining forces to face Isaac Yankum and Jerry Lawler, as Liam has already told us from the Spanish announce table. We've got some cross-contamination of feuds here, which is yet more WCW-esque. Yeah, it is. It is. In the sense that Hart is involved with Bulldog and Diesel now, is he not? So why is he yep. fighting these two against exactly. these joining forces with Kushi? I don't know. Yeah, we're also going to be served up an absolute barn burner between <laughs> the British Bulldog, who is going to be going down to an obvious defeat against... <laughs> The on-song inform Marty Gennetti. Um, <laughs> from this particular advert, we then cut to the ring. The tale of two tassels, by the way. Cornette <laughs> 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 is in the ring about to be interviewed by Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Um, Cornette's got his lawyer, Clarence Mason, with him. Love Clarence Second Mason. appearance. Yeah, so, so good. good. He's so good. Cornette's livid about the shenanigans in your house where, where Bulldog was screwed out of the title. The be. particular bone Cornette is here to pick revolves around the fact that the Bulldog should be getting 
a title match at Survivor Series and his grounds seem relatively solid in fairness so solid in fact that I can't believe we've had to drag one of the finest legal minds <laughs> in Clarence Mason along to resolve this problem um, <laughs> So the winner of the In Your House title match was due to face Bret Hart at Survivor Series. Bulldog won that match by DQ. Bulldog won it. Well, unfair, but square. So in that case, it should be him who, <laughs> who, who faces Bret. Corny explains this. I agree. The Bulldog, uh, with him. Told. He explains that the Bulldog's bearing grudges against both Hart and Diesel. Yeah, and he wants matches with both. And as you quite rightly say, Steve, he is, he's, that's... that's Stonewall. It's cut and, cut and dry. Yep. It is. Cut and dry. Definitely discuss. Um, I've got I've got an issue with this though. Oh, oh have you? Yeah. For, for when we when we did the uh, when we did the in your house uh, run through, um, we talked about how like we said we mentioned didn't we how Bulldog's been waiting for this chance and like he, he jeopardised yes. his own he jeopardised his own opportunity <laughs> by for no reason getting involved with Bret Hart. So yeah, he did. I didn't have one ounce of sympathy for him here. <laughs> yeah, fair, because, fair enough. What, what kind of mor- what kind of moron <laughs> goes around like you know wailing about not getting a title shot and then the opportunity you do get he, he pisses away straight away by getting involved <laughs> with someone who he was just commentating anyway. So I had zero. You could go up against Mason, Liam. Now that now that is a is a, I mean, is an got, HBO I, special I would watch. I've got a lot of respect for uh, Clarence Mason, but <laughs> I, I just think uh, British Bulldog, he's got, he's got no ground to stand on here. <laughs> yeah, I always sort about opinions, isn't it, on, uh, on these things, so uh, it's, <laughs> it's nice to hear something, something different. I bet Clarence <laughs> would relish the challenge. I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> It'd be ahead of a, a legal battle, as you quite rightly alluded to. Um, but anyway, Vince wants to know what the lawyer's here for. Uh, Corny does a sketch where he tells us about the writs that Mr. Mason has written. And if oh, Vince perfect. had read those writs, he'd know they were really well-written writs. Superb. Superb. Yeah, a bit yeah, of a laugh yeah. at that one. It was like Peter Pepper pick, picked a pepper kind of thing, it wasn't was it? Perfect. It, yeah, was so it was perfect. It was so quick. It was so quick. It was superb from Corny, as per usual. Uh, Clarence Mason, we find out, he's not very happy with Gorilla Monsoon's actions and he's going to ensure that Bulldogs gets, gets what he's due in terms of matches against his rivals. That's only, if, of course, if he can defeat... Lost Liam in the, in the court of law. This, this, this seems to hinge upon. Uh, I felt like this went on. A, it went on a little bit too long. I thought, but um, then Corley begins to lament the wild card match. At this point, is when I'm thinking this is going on a bit. Um, he's not happy about his guys having to fight each other and team on different teams and all that sort of thing. Uh, Vince then segues to next week's match between Bulldog and Marty Jannetty. Cornet says it's ridiculous and has nothing to do with anything else that the Bulldog is involved in. And again, I'm inclined to agree with him here because yeah, it isn't. Yeah, it is nothing yeah, to do with what's bang on here, Cornet. It's bomb. Yep. It is nothing to do with what's going on. Um, and then Bulldog starts shouting into Mike a lot of nonsense about how Jannetty doesn't <laughs> oh, belong man. in the same ring as him. Bad. How he's going to beat him up next week. Really bad. Uh, yeah, Bulldog's promo. I've got. I've got written down Bulldog's promos uh, shit for two reasons. Uh, the first reason is he's wooden as fuck. Yeah. And second reason, no one is buying anything he says. Beat Marty Jannetty. Come on, Bulldog, give me a break. <laughs> Fuck's sake. His, his accent's so bad as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is, isn't it? It yeah, sounds it like partly Scottish in places. Yeah, it does. Well. It's that bizarre sort of... Yeah, uh, yeah transatlantic... Wigan turns Shrek. into yeah turn, exactly turns into Shrek <laughs> Donkey <laughs> we get like aspects of Shrek you like do. mid-sentence you do it's oh, so bonkers no, it's, that's it's poor it's Amazing. poor and we then get a second hell bit of Marty Jannetty just can't get enough today Jannetty rushes the ring he's had enough of Bulldog's tripe he, um, 
He dispatches Bulldog with a sublime dropkick to the back of the head, sends Bulldog flying. Then uh, Jeanette does a number on Cornet before threatening to do the same to Clarence Mason. Yeah, not good. McMahon is he's frothing at the mouth at the prospect of a lawyer taking a good pound in here. <laughs> he's, he he's loving this. Yeah. But obviously, all these days in the dock, he has been dying for someone to do this. <laughs> yeah. But obviously, Jeanette, he's not going to assault a, a civilian like Mason, is he? He's not going to do that. <laughs> Could really Fucking teased it, though. He went for him, the bastard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. He's just, he's just <laughs> trying to appease his boss or whatever. Not that he needs to, of course, because he's, he's great. He really won't appease his boss. Jesus so Christ. <laughs> <laughs> he's just trying to give everybody a laugh. <laughs> he, he, he says, doesn't he, Vince? He says, like, uh, imagine the world with one less attorney in it. Oh, he's, he's so excited. <laughs> Fuck it. <hell. laughs> yeah. It's bad, isn't Encouraging it? a beating live on TV. <laughs> After he'd done so well about not diminishing masks, and then he, 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 <laughs> he's encouraging violence against lawyers. Um, following this, the, the crowd pop as the as the gun boys, the gun lads, are on route to the ring. Yeah, they come. We've got a we've got a tag match against two tag team jobbers, which again I thought was a bit weird. Uh, we get a recap of the in your house tag title match because of course Raw loves recaps, as we've yeah. already said. Recap um, Raw, where the guns face Razor. Razor Ramon of the one, two, three kid, which Liam obviously filled us in about last week. Or By the way, I haven't episode. seen this. I hadn't seen this prior, and I watched it on this part of this recap. Fuck me, you two were not lying. It's bad, what, isn't it? What the fuck is he doing, the kid? Here? No, see, I'm, I was. I'm with you. I, I hadn't. I hadn't seen this either. I only gone off what Liam had told. That I'd missed this particular bit. But I didn't realise quite how like strong they made the one, two, three kid. Look, he, he batters both of them, doesn't yeah. he? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. kicks and whatever else, despite but, but, being, you know, half the size. Yeah, well, he wasn't strong at the point where he came into the ring and then just got rolled Ruined up into a, yeah. a small oh. package and that was it. He's a moron, yeah. isn't he? Bonkers, bonkers, bonkers finished that, that Agreed. match. Well said. But yeah, we, we, we have that. Obviously, it's going to lead into to something featuring the one, two, three kid momentarily. But first of all, though, the guns, who the fuck are these lads that are up against here? Honestly. The fact the fit, two fat lads in red club, yeah. I, I don't understand. Really bad red club as well. Red spandex kind of yeah, ones. Yeah, this was bizarre. This yeah. was yeah. strange. The one, the one in the red trunks, he's just so fucking doughy. There's no definition. <laughs> he's like a bloke. He's like a bloke they've pulled off the street. Put these, put these red underpants on and go and fight Billy Gunn. <laughs> he's a baker. <laughs> <laughs> we've got the baker and the candlestick maker <laughs> it is an absurd visual next to the fucking chiseled Billy Gunn you've got this fucking joke of a man they have sent me in there <laughs> what is this oh man yeah, anyway stuff's going on in the ring I can't take it seriously we, we, we do the classic mid-match cutaway which I'm actually quite thankful for but it's the kid the kid's there and he's on hand to do a, a pre-recorded message he's got for the gun club he's what he's got to say he's um, oh he's just atrocious he he has he has gazumped the bulldog for worse promo of the night oh, ab- he has there's absolutely no feeling whatsoever in this man's voice it is so one pace monotonous is he stoned? all the way is he, is he stoned because it's, it's shocking it's who signed it off Who's allowed him to do this? And it's pre-recorded, yeah. so it's been not only has he been signed off to do this, it's then been okayed by in the in the edit. It's shocking. It must be on morphine or something. There's <laughs> zero emotions like coming out of him, is it? Nothing at all. Uh, Considering he's trying to apologise. Yeah, well, so, so, he, he apologises <laughs> yeah. for his, his petulance. Couldn't his sound more disingenuous if he tried. He couldn't, could he? 
and he apologizes for his, his in-your-house petulance. I'm thinking, oh, it's, it's big of him. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not sure I'd be accepting it if I was uh, by no, Billy based on what I've just seen. <laughs> uh, anyway, the kid then goes on to say that if the guns are the fighting champions that they claim to be, and bear in mind, I've seen every single Raw during their second run of this tag team tag, and they've never claimed to be fighting champions. They've never. No, I haven't said it once. <laughs> anything of the sort. No. Kid. But, um, but, I mean, but having said that, they have done a lot of fighting. So they're not claiming it, but they, you know, actions speak louder than words. So you know what I mean? Like they are, they are fighting, mate. And, and you, conversely, have repeatedly tried to batter your mate when you've lost stuff. So stop it. Exactly. Exactly. But he, he's saying, as always entitled to a match as the kid, if he's saying, he's saying the guns are going to be, they're going to, hand, they're going to give this title match to Riz and Ron. They're going to be getting another title match. Why? Why, why would yeah, they? Yeah, well, what, we don't just because you got beaten because you were a fucking moron. Yeah, it's just scandalous. Nah. Outrageous. Yeah. And then he follows up by issuing a bit of an ultimatum, tells him you better do it soon. What are you going to do, kids? I really like the kid in the ring, but I've, this booking has really turned me against him. He's just a moron. Yeah. Every time he's seen yeah. him, he, just, he looks like a bigger idiot every no, time, every time he's on I'm screen. Not we're back in the ring and uh, Bart Gunn's working over the other fat lad in red. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe we've been given a name for this team at this point, so we'll just call them the fat, lad in, fat lads in red from now on. Uh, <laughs> and this is, this is uh, it's pure filler material, but thankfully... But Vin, Vin, Vince, Vin, Vince does refer to one of them. I can't remember which one, but he does refer to them. He calls them, one of them Otis. Yeah, that comes a bit later on, I think. Does Otis. Oh, he's, the, he's the one in trunks. All oh, right. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> yeah, so this is, this is filler material. <laughs> I think I've just hit me for the fat lads in red. It sounds like a fucking... <laughs> the Chris DeVere version that never got released. <laughs> <laughs> fat lad in red... He's wrestling with me. <laughs> you know what got me with that, right? The fat lad in red. So the one who isn't apparently Otis, the other one. I didn't get the Otis. The unnamed. The unnamed. He gives him a name, but I missed it. And I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't get it. back to get it. But he, um, he's got, fuck me. He's got like, he's got like a... He's got like a woman's spandex onesie on. Did you see that? You see that, like the, the, the joint at the back. Yeah. He's yeah. got, you know, Michael Scott in the office when he says it was a woman's suit. That's what he's wearing. He's like, mate, we're on Raw and we're wearing red. We're wearing red. Quick, get yourself down to the spandex shop. And he's gone there, right? And he's picked out the first thing that he thought fit. And he got, are you sure? Who was that for? Well, it was it was one of Bertha Faye's old outfits, right? And he's gone, now that'll do. That fit. Who's Bertha Faye? Never mind, not the time. And he legs it down a raw, and he's popped it on, and and Otis is like, mate, that's that's a woman's onesie, but uh, I mean, there's no time, just get it on, and off we go. Otis can talk, to be fair. Put with him. <laughs> the doughy Otis. Well, <laughs> okay, like I said, the match is uh, it, it's thankfully. So that was, it's, there's not much going on, but thankfully it's short because uh, Otis, after a bit of things are happening in the ring, and then Otis finds himself on the receiving end of the Gun Club's double team. And uh, yeah, the flying leg drop sidewalk slam combo. Great. It's yeah, quite nice. Yeah, That's the end. Smooth, isn't it? That, I like that. But, uh, yeah, I like yeah, that the, the that is done. From the most pointless tag match I've ever seen occur <laughs> to a promo from Brett the Hitman Hart. Fucking mm. hell. They didn't have many lads that would do promos in WWF in 95, did they? No, they didn't. They really didn't. Uh, yeah, Brett, he's dull as fuck too. I think Liam might have alluded to this in previous pods, but he, he's right. You're not wrong, Liam. He is... He is dull. He's not as bad as his peers who have preceded him, but yeah, he was dull. Hart tells us he respects Diesel, but he's still going to beat him for the title of Survivor Series. And then I was thinking, has fucking Diesel's face been 
printed on milk cartons in Winnipeg at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Where is he? Where is Diesel? Do you mean mean the uh, the WWF's champion, uh, Jim? (laughs) I mean, that guy with the belt, yeah. That one, the one with the belt, yeah. Never seen him for weeks. Following that, the, the, the WrestleMania video games plugged. You pointed it out last time, Steve, so I checked it out. It does. It does look all right. This Doesn't game. it look good? Following that, it's the main events. Here we go. Owen Hart versus Razor Ramon for the Intercontinental Championship. Owen Hart has obviously won his, won his spot in this match following his victory in the 20-man battle royal last week. Yeah, don't um, say that again. How could you? I think you've alluded to this in the past, haven't you, Jim, that the... Uh, the Intercontinental Championship seems to be like the, uh, the, the the main prize at the moment, doesn't it? it? Is. Like it is. It's the centre of, of, of the majority of the storylines. Correct. Which is quite bizarre, isn't it? Like you say, when you've got Diesel just sitting at home, you know, slippers <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> Here come Owen and, uh, and manager Jim Cornette. Go on, Jim. King is in the midst of a tirade against Bret Hart and not mentioned his name in the promo he's just done or discussed their tag match for the following week. Yeah. Again, too much crossover of feuds 100%, here. 100%, don't need it. It's crazy. It's crazy. And then we hear from the self-proclaimed mayor of merchandise, who is selling <laughs> the the most fucking <laughs> pony-looking belts Awful. I've ever seen in my days. He's calling one the WWF Championship and one the Intercontinental Championship, and there's no way no. they are either of those things. <laughs> <laughs> If you buy one of these belts, you'll also get some photos of the respective champs. <laughs> they, they, they've got to ditch these segments, haven't they? They are gone <laughs> off. They on a 45-minute programme, yeah. you've got to get oh. rid of these segments. So I don't know if this is just me showing my age, right? But when, when we used to watch it, we didn't used to have plugs like this all the time. We, so sort of like late 90s when, when, when we started No, watching. these were gone. These were gone. Yeah, I, I do not remember anything like this. Exactly. I thought that. Following that, we cut to a vignette of Paul Berry who thankfully... Thankfully gives us some respite from the deluge of bad promos that have been foisted upon us during this programme. So good. Uh, is not happy with uh, Mabel for what he's done to the Undertaker's face. Obviously, remember a few weeks ago, <laughs> he famously crushed that face. Um, he warns Mabel that the Undertaker has vengeance on his mind. Look out, Mabel. He's in a creepy graveyard with uh, his yeah. eyes. So good. This is the most Halloween thing we have seen so far across Halloween Havoc, all of Nitro and this episode, brilliant. Yeah, it was really good. The, the pitch of his voice, though, is interesting, isn't it? S- something else, in it? It's so... Oh, Undertaker! I love Undertaker. it. <laughs> <laughs> so high-pitched. I love it. Yeah, it's phenomenal. <laughs> uh, back in the arena, Vince tells us Bear is going to be in the chat room tomorrow if you fancy a digital chinwag with him. Paul Bear on MSN Messenger, can you imagine that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A- ASL. Yeah. <laughs> Follow that the crowd get up when Razor's music hits and he's in a rush to get to the ring to uh, resolve the afters that he had, the before, should I say, with Owen Hart in the locker room. He ducks under a clothesline attempt from Owen, delivers his own clothesline to send Hart over the top rope as the bell goes to start proceedings. Uh, Hart is livid. He stomps back up the steps, skips over the top rope. He's ready to go. And the pair exchange wrist locks in the open exchanges. And then we get a really nice moment where Owen Hart shows us he was paying attention during Marty Jannetty's wrestling masterclass by executing a very nice looking monkey flip he has learned from the master. And we should, I, have, 
I have made a point to note down we've surely broken a record here for the number of monkey yeah, flips shown in a single TV <laughs> program. It's <laughs> been it's fucking crackers. loads of them. <laughs> <laughs> Soon after this, Razor Ramon he takes charge. He keeps Owen locked in an armbar for a while. Yeah. The early exchange of the entertainment comes from Vincent King, who uh, continue their great back and forth about Halloween attire and all manner of other issues. Well done, Vincent King. I thought they were on form tonight, both of them. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Owen escapes the hammerlock with a nice backflip over Razor. He then slaps the bad guy on landing and he kind of does a bit of a Jimmy Hart raise two fists <laughs> celebration over a not yeah, very big achievement. Yeah. Perfect for a heel. That's great. Spot on. Well done, Owen. He then holds his hands up in apology before backing away, ducking under Razor's attempts to uh, delay him out before attempting a crossbody, which Razor catches, counters it into a fallaway slam. Nice. Really good yeah, stuff. Yeah, look great. Look great. He's so good, Razor. He is good, he is good. Cornet then jumps upon the, the apron and Razor decks him. Cornet bumps on the outside, goes over to bemoan his bad fortune to Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji who have made their, yeah. ring to, their way to ringside at this yeah, point. Great. Cornet's really mugging. He's hit me in the eye. Yeah, that's <laughs> great, I know. So yeah. good. He was like pointing, pointing into the <laughs> ring as well. Oh, no. Like a kid oh, telling, telling the parents who's hurt him. Yeah. It's so good. So, yeah, it was brilliant. I loved it. <laughs> So Mr. Fuji's going to go and give a razor a telling off. <laughs> well, we're back in the ring from the break where Owen tries the same blackflip manoeuvre he, he uh, nailed earlier, but this time razor's wise to it. He telegraphs it. He dumps Owen on his ass and then locks in an armbar, which Owen sells really well. Yeah, he does. A lot yeah, of uh, yeah, right. histrionics from Owen out there. Owen then alters the momentum of the match by throwing razor out of the ring while um, running the ropes, while Razor's running the ropes, should I say, and he follows this up with a big baseball slide to send Razor crashing into the railing, so Razor sells it as though he smashed his, uh, his choppers on there, smashed his, his yeah. teeth with the railings. Yankum's involved. Yeah, needs a <laughs> date with Yankum. Been there, Razor, know what that's all about. <laughs> uh, or then it's a big missile dropkick, gets a two count, first of many. Hart then starts using the ropes to choke Razor, using all his... Uh, Available seconds before the DQ is called. Obviously, much of the annoyance of Vince on comms. Superb heel behaviour from Owen Hart. Yeah. Um, Razor then threatens his own comeback, which is halted by a massive spinning heel kick from Owen, which Great. looked fantastic. Great. He's so good. Only bring him another two count, though. Razor then tries another comeback. He assumes the idiot position after sending Owen running the rubs, <laughs> and Owen naturally uses this to his advantage. He nails a neck breaker this time on the bad guy. He climbs up top, lands a flying elbow, and this is a third two count. Owen's not happy about this now. He can't get the job done. He can't get over the line. He really wants that, that, that belt, that intercontinental belt. He just can't get the job done. Owen then gets another two count. He doesn't do anything this time. He just kind of rolls over and lays his hand on um, Razor's chest, which I thought seemed strange, given that it was Owen was the one who took the move that flattened them both. Yeah, but, good point. Mm, giving this back body drop clearly hurt Razor more than yeah. it did Owen Hart. Um, the pair then back to the feet. The exchange blows. Razor blocks all of Owen's and delivers some, some hard strikes of his own. And we then get a spot where Razor dumps Owen on the top turnbuckle as though he's going for a backdrop from mm. the second row. But Razor, mm. as... As the um, as Razor prepares to launch him, Owen counters this into a cross body. As they land, uh, Razor rolls through, gets the cover. Vince thinks he's won, but it's only a two count. Razor's tasting the the bitter the bitter taste of the two count there, and Razor follows up with a big clothesline before another break. And Owen is up for the Razor's edge as we return from it. This, of course, 
is the observing Yokozuna's cue to get involved, and yeah. he duly does. He pulls his tag team partner out of harm's way before running Razor over with a clothesline, which obviously results in Owen Hart being DQ'd. He has missed his opportunity to win the most coveted prize on Monday <laughs> Night Raw. Yeah. Uh, Yoko proceeds to uh, then drop a few big legs onto Razor. And I bet he absolutely shit himself, Yokozuna, when he saw the one, two, three kid coming out to <laughs> save the day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the kid is Yoko with a few punches the, the big man regards them with the same the same kind of disdain you would for his own, a few mosquitoes had landed on him before flattening the kid he flattens the kid with a head but, and then drops the leg onto him too but wait a minute I wince when he hit with a leg drop yeah, like, this, this was genuinely a face crush like yeah, yeah. the Could take is out with like a apparent, a so called face uh, crush face yeah. but this looked like it hurt Agreed. It could have been nasty. Um, but wait a minute, who's this? If I wanted someone to come to my rescue, it wouldn't be the one, two, three kid. It'd be Ahmed Johnson. And here he is. He's out in the ring. He's making his Monday Night Scores debut, of course. Big lad. Ahmed Johnson's going to be on the opposing team to Yoko Zuna at Survivor Series. So he's, uh, he's, he's sending a message to the even bigger man here. Yeah. He, uh, he scoops up the enormous Yokozuna, plants him with a, a body slam. Very impressive strength from Jono. Yeah, Jono. Ludicrous. absolutely insane. This, this, this is, this yeah, is this was phenomenal. Good. Phenomenal. The crowd are loving it. The crowd are in agreement with both of you two. They're loving it. Uh, Jono's fired up in the ring. He turns round to greet the onrushing British Bulldog. It's now British Bulldogs involved in a feud with Ahmed Johnson as well as Marty Gennetti, as well as Bret Hart, as well as Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, do you reckon the uh, the the script writer for WCW's jumped ship to Raw? Because it, <laughs> it's not we're getting a lot of yeah. you know confusion at the moment. Oh, there it is so much crossfires. So like much. like Marty Jannetty's gym bag. It's mental. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the bulldog thinks better. Thinks better of, of whatever whatever stupid idea he had involved attacking uh, Ahmed Johnson. He backs away, and I think that's a wise move from the bulldog. And that is the last action. We see this evening. So that was WWF Raw. Now let's find out what we all thought the ratings builders and killers were. Liam, let's start with you. What were your Raw ratings builders? Okay, builder number one. Um, clearly, clearly the, uh, the the best match on the uh, on the card, and that was the Owen Hart Razor Ramon match. Um, just really good tempo. The intensity was top notch all the way through. Just two clearly good technical wrestlers knowing what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, really good storyline. Kind of got a bit sloppy maybe towards the end with Yokozuna, but I kind of get why why he would get involved. Obviously with Owen Hart being his tag partner, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it. So that was clearly the uh, my builder number one. Nice. Uh, builder number two, I'm going to go for Goldust. On, on the In Your House debut, I, I, thought, I thought he was pretty pretty green. I thought he was much better again tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, so ho- so hopefully pushing him a bit further as well. So he, he's two from two now, isn't he? So yeah. um, making a big deal about his entrance, they're building him up you know, prior to prior to going on a... Uh, so yeah. clearly you've got a, 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 a nice, nice pathway for him uh, moving yeah. forward. Lovely stuff. And then number three, I'm going to go Clarence Mason because <laughs> nice. any time he's involved on Raw, <laughs> yeah. it just gives it this little bit of professionalism. You know, it I know does. it's, I know, I know it's <laughs> what, what what they're trying to go down is like you know in terms of 
going to court over over title shots and things like that is yeah, absolutely yeah. bizarre, isn't it? But I think he, he is acting and he he uh, he's, he always brings a little bit of uh, credibility to it as well. So I do enjoy the uh, I do enjoy his segments on the uh, on the program. Brilliant stuff. Well, my ratings builders were build number one, the announced team. So after the dream team on comms at Halloween Havoc, I was intrigued about returning to Vince. I wondered, you know, is he going to feel a bit outdated after Tony Giovanni? And I was pleasantly surprised that I didn't think he was. I thought he and the usually great king were slick, funny and on the money. I was dead chuffed. Build number two, Cornet. I know I'm totally becoming a broken record here. Appreciate that. You know, I'm constantly praising Louisville's finest. But in terms of thinking about what would make me want to tune into Raw next week, what's a real ratings builder, he is right up there on my list every time. He's hugely talented on the mic and hugely entertaining with everything he does. Like, just, ugh, I could watch him for hours. Yeah, superb. And build number three, Gold Dust in action. He's absolutely shaping up to be a cracking, kind of, you know, unsettling heel. Um, I think parallels with The Undertaker are not actually too bizarrely out of place, to quote Vince appropriately. I think I can see him being the one who gets under the skin of people and starts to do something a bit different rather than I'm a heel because I'm, you know, annoying you like Disco Inferno, for instance. And, you know, the the more I see of him, I can just see, you know, the, the, the better it gets. The only thing I'll say is he's missing a bit of a marquee finisher, as we've I think we've mentioned as we went through. And, you know, I wonder if he'll rectify that at some point. Eh? Let's find out. Jim, what were your raw ratings builders? Building one needs no introduction, of course. It's Marty Janetti. <laughs> Christ. A splendid showing from the former rocker who dispatches Joe Dorgan and cleans out Connor and the Bulldog in successive segments. Fantastic stuff. Building number two. I didn't I didn't love the slow start. I didn't particularly love the finish either, but I really, really, really like the bit in the middle of the Razor Ramon and the Owen Hart match. Yeah, as Liam's Said a lot about that. He's absolutely on the money with pretty much everything I thought. Uh, yeah, Owen's great in the ring. Plays the heel part really well. Has the moveset and the athleticism that suggests he'd be a great babyface too. Obviously, everything, I'd, I'd, I'd be in agreement with everything Liam said about Razor and more in that regard as well. Um, uh, building number three tonight, we've, we've discussed them before, the commentary team, but I thought Vincent King were on absolute stellar form this evening uh, they work really well together some superb verbal jousting between the two in the show I thought it certainly enhanced the entertainment on offer yeah nice lovely stuff Liam what were your Monday Night Raw ratings killers so killer number one for me is interruptions <laughs> so if we if we go back through the 45 minutes we get for Raw we had you know Doc a cut, a cut to Doc Hendricks for no reason, really. We had someone flogging some really cheap-looking belts. We had a one-two-three kid promo where he's not... He was apparently apologising. We had Bret Hart popping up. And again, that needs to be shortened. With, with, with 45 minutes at the moment, it's, it's far too many. So, yeah, I did, I, I, it's, it's not looking good for Raw at the moment. So. Killer number two, I'm going to go for the, the tag team match because... Mm. I didn't know who the smoking guns were, were up against. Even if you're not going to introduce them, have a, have a graphic with the names on yeah, it at least so yeah, we know what's going on. I thought that was pretty uh, pretty shoddy work from uh, from Raw this week. Yeah, agreed. And killer number three, 
that I didn't like the way they, they cut off in the middle of the action. It was kind of like WCW-esque, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, we had, we had lots of lots of action going on in the ring and then it just went off. Bulldog was there, Ahmed was there and it just cut. Lovely stuff. Um, my killers. So killer number one is the British Bulldogs acting. <laughs> Particularly when, I'm not saying it was great when he had the mic in front of him and the camera in front of him in the ring. But it was especially bad when he didn't think the camera was on him and yet the hard camera was. Like, shit in hell. He just sits there and bicep flexes with these, like, deadpan expressions. It's awful. It's awful. Come on, mate. You're better than this. You're so good in the ring. It's just so disappointing to see how bad he is at this kind of crap. Killer number two, the kids promo. Of all the things that made me want to crawl behind the sofa on Halloween... This was right up with there with anything from the Dungeon of Doom. This was appalling. I wanted it to stop. I was hovering over that skip button. And killer number three, Marty Ginetti's get-up. I just cannot get past the tassels and the short-legged singlet and get behind him. He also intimidated a member of the bar without just cause. Jim, what we are, ratings killers. Uh, killers for me. Number one, shocking promos. You touched on <laughs> yeah. most of them yourselves already. But it wasn't so long ago, I remember I was crowing about the higher quality of promos being offered. Yeah, on I know, I know, I know. Exactly what Tonight. Dead right. Stark contrast tonight with the Bulldog, the one, two, three kid, Bret Hart, all shocking efforts on the mic. I mean, see, the, the nice bits with, with Paul Bearer and, and Cornet and, and, and Clarence Mason you kind of pull that back a little bit, but these three really bad ones did, did stand out to me. Yeah. Um, killer number two is the tag team jobbers. Oh, gosh, yeah. Surely there was... Just there's, awful. There's who, who... The fat lads in red, what are they doing here? <laughs> we, Paul Apollo and John Reckner. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Apollo. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, John Reckner. John Reckner. They sound like two like members of a pool team <laughs> from the local Labour club. It's terrible. Yeah, we, won't be, we won't be seeing those lads again, will we? No, they should not no, be getting no. TV time against the tag team champions. <laughs> no fucking way. And there's other people that could put in these spots. They've got the yeah, yeah, 20-man yeah, the 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 battle royal last week. And killer number three is uh, Doc Hendricks's Kiss Tiger Vampire Face. <laughs> And now for the Golden Envelope reveal, which show went over at the time. At 3-2 to Raw, can Nitro pull one back or will Vinnie Mac stretch his lead? Let's find out. But first, Jim, which show did you think should take the Golden Envelope this week? Uh, so, it, my, it was hard. It was difficult. Um, as an eight, nine episode veteran of Nitro, I can tell you in great confidence that you will see way worse episodes of Nitro <laughs> than what they've just served up here. Yeah, agreed. But with that said, I think I'm going to go for Raw just about. I wasn't enamoured with, with their show either, but if you gave me a card of both shows, matches are on, and I could only pick one to watch, yeah. I'd be more interested to watch who was on Raw this week as opposed to who was on Nitro. Fair enough. Liam, same question to you. Which show was your pick? 
Um, I, I, I'm in agreement with Jimmy. It's very close. Um, I've, I've voiced my my dislike of uh, of Nitro over the uh, of the past weeks, but I think I think Raw is on a slippery slope. Um, mm-hmm. I think we commented on it. You know, they've had a, a mm-hmm. couple of runs where where it's getting really sloppy. So only just I, I'm going to go for Nitro just just to edge it this week. Fair enough. Well, I'm with you, Liam. I'm also going to go for WCW this week. Uh, there was there was just enough of Eddie, Sabu, and Meng yeah. that I loved to outweigh the the cobblers from everyone else. But I couldn't with with you know with a straight face defend it if anyone wanted to go for Raw as Jim has done. All right, let's find out. Here it is. Hear that gold? Hear that gold? <coughs> gold. <laughs> I knew we'd get it. <laughs> Raw, 2.1. Nitro, 2.3. Fish's boys have taken it by a hair's breadth this week. Blimey. I guess they'd have had the boost from um, uh, the pay-per-view of the previous night, won't they? Yeah, what do you mean? People. After the promise of finding out what actually happened to the giant <laughs> when he fell off the roof, to only then not deliver it yet. Yeah, the it could be weird down next week when everyone's pissed off they being lied to. Bish's boys have levelled it up at three apiece. Blimey, well, tune in next week to see which company pulls ahead. And as ever, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, this has been the Monday Night Scores.